my name is Stu. As uh, Duff said, if I haven't met you, just a warm welcome to Center Church this morning. Uh, we're so glad to have you kind of joining us. It's so great to be together another Sunday. Uh, it seems like they're rolling past pretty quickly. You know, we're heading uh, pretty much into September now. Um, but wow, it's good to be together. It's so great to, to be together. And if you're joining us for the first time, you picked the perfect day to join Center Church because today we're starting a new series. John and Cindy are on holiday. They're enjoying some uh, time off. All I've heard from John and Cindy so far is, or I haven't heard anything. I've just seen pictures of various fish that John has caught and the occasional sad face with the caption underneath it saying, you know, this type of shark got away or this fish got away or whatever it was. So they're having a super restful time and it's really great that we can kind of send them off and, and uh, kind of let them be blessed and have some time out. I think it's pretty much the first time out that they've taken this year. So it's really great for them. But today we're starting a new series. We're kicking it off and we're calling it the way of Jesus. Okay, and that sounds a little bit weird. You're like, what, what is that? And uh, like, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the lifestyle that Jesus led to see what we can learn from it. You see, Jesus didn't just have a whole load of philosophies or, or shall we say a, a bunch of ethics that he wanted to give us, or a set of commands that simplified a little bit. He also lived a human life to show us practically how to apply all of those things. And so we felt that we've spent a bit of time this year. We've looked at Proverbs and, and um, Habakkuk and a whole load of things. And we've spent a lot of time in quite a philosophical space. And so we want to come back and we just want to have a look at Jesus for a little while and go, Jesus, what did your life look like? And what can we learn from that? To think about this a little bit, I want to, I want to start with this rather random story. So the story goes that Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson go on a camping trip together. Okay. And in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up and he prods Dr. Watson. He says, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson kind of blinks and rubs some sleep out of his eyes, looks up. He says, I see millions of stars, Holmes. Holmes says, and what do you deduce from that, Watson? Watson thinks for a minute, waking up a little. He says, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Uh, horologically, I deduce that the time is about quarter past three at night. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. And well, theologically, I see that God is all powerful and we are small and insignificant. What does it tell you, Holmes? Holmes looks across at Watson and says, Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. And you see, I love that story because it kind of illustrates that we can go through life and there's something really big and important that's right in front of us, but it's actually kind of easy to miss. See, if you're a Christ follower today, if you've responded to the call of Jesus where he says, come, follow me, I think it's really, it's really easy to look at the life of Christ and say, that means do all the things that he commanded us to do, right? Love others. That's a, that's a good Christian value to have. Be generous. Maybe turn the other cheek, right? Don't punch that guy. Now the traffic is getting back a, a little bit as we're kind of getting onto the other side of uh, lockdown life, right? Maybe it means go the extra mile, go the second mile with someone, right? Keep Jesus's ethics. Learn his philosophy. You see, we can reduce Christianity to that. When Jesus says, and, and we miss the obvious in this, which is that it also means come follow me in the lifestyle and the way that I lived. Because there are a few things that you can learn from that. 
as you go through life. Now, you might ask, but, but how does that work? Because Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, there's 2,000 years of lifestyle changes. You know, plumbing has become normal since then, uh, amongst other things, electricity, et cetera, et cetera. Hasn't that changed a whole lot of these things? H how does that apply, first of all? And, and perhaps even more importantly, like why, why would we want to do that? Why would that be important? Why would it be important to learn about Jesus's lifestyle and not just kind of follow the things that he commanded us to do? Well, let me try to illustrate it with Johnny Wilkinson. What? Stick with me, right? Uh, if, if, you're a, if you're a rugby fan, uh, you'll know who Johnny Wilkinson is, right? He was a, a former fly half forward English national team. He kind of first became particularly notable in the 2003 World Cup between England, World Cup final between England and Australia. They'd gone, you know, full time, and I think it was about 17 all, and someone passed to Johnny Wilkinson and he scored a drop goal with about 30 seconds left on the, on the clock, right? Whoa, final, World Cup final, England won. Uh, it was, you know, it was amazing. Last, like, he just, he pulled it off. He, he, he had that pressure in the spotlight moment and he pulled it off. He came through and England won the World Cup. But over and above that, he's got a huge... A uh, huge reputation, incredible reputation as a as a fly half, as a as a kicker for for the teams that he's played for. He just kicks consistently well. He's incredible, um, but he's got this slightly odd technique. And you might not have heard of him, but I'm sure you've seen the guy uh, on the rugby field kicking. And he's got this little weird technique where he holds his hands in front of him like that just before he kicks, and then he kind of runs forward and and takes the takes the kick. And it was this kind of odd technique, and you could recognize Johnny Wilkinson because of this odd technique. Now, after the 2003 Rugby World Cup, when he became quite visible, people started paying attention to him. If you happen to drive past a school pretty much anywhere in the world, and someone there was, you know, at rugby practice, and perhaps there was a kid practicing kicking at the post or whatever it was, that kid would be lining up the ball, and you know how they'd be standing? They'd be standing like Johnny Wilkinson did, right? Because if I can do this little trick, this little technique that Johnny Wilkinson has, maybe I could channel a little bit of Johnny Wilkinson into this kick. And it had a, a little bit more likelihood of going a bit further and being a little bit more, more accurate. Over and above that, you know what rugby boots sold a whole lot that year? Well, it was the brand that Johnny Wilkinson had. Why? Because if I could wear the shoes that Johnny Wilkinson wears, maybe I can channel a little bit of him. And, and the key question here you see is, will someone be successful because they do the little hand stance thingy and because they wear the same boots as Johnny Wilkinson does? And you see, we all know the real answer to that question, right? Which is that Johnny Wilkinson wasn't great at what he did because he did those things in that moment in the game. Johnny Wilkinson was great for a couple of reasons. One, he had a whole lot of natural skill to start with, but two, he trained insanely hard and he had a reputation for this, right? Excuse me. He'd be out kicking rugby balls two hours before practice. His teammates would rock up for practice. He'd practice with all of them. They'd go off. And he'd stay on for another couple of hours just kicking rugby balls at the post consistently. He'd be packing up to go in after the rugby practice and he'd still be kicking rugby balls at the exit to the change rooms to see if he could land at kind of exactly where he was aiming as he was walking off of the field. You see, Johnny Wilkinson chose a lifestyle of preparation and a bit of perspiration that got him ready, that made him so good 
okay? So that when he got out into the, onto the field, it, it wasn't like he was rocking up for the first time going, I think, uh, well, I hope I can get this, this kicking thing right, better, better show up now, right? No, 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 he, he was prepared for it. He was ready for that. So that when those in the spotlight moments hit, he had a whole lot of preparation. He was only going to do what he had been doing in his lifestyle already to show up in that moment. You see, the, the, the tip of the iceberg was the, the, the visible moment where he was on the pitch with the rest of his teammates playing rugby. The, the iceberg that was beneath the waterline that nobody really saw was the lifestyle of training and preparation that got him ready for that. And in that lifestyle, he was developing the intuitions, he was developing the reflexes, he was developing the skills, the muscles, the, even the mindsets that he needed, so that when he showed up, he was ready for it. Those incredible kicks that he had, and those incredible plays that he made in his career, were not as a result of him kind of showing up in a few minutes on the game, uh, on game day, and, and trying to figure out what to do. They were available to Johnny Wilkinson on, on match day, because of the lifestyle that he'd chosen to adopt. And you see, I think many of those school kids out there practicing, you know, lining up the posts would like the life of Johnny Wilkinson, but I'm not sure if they'd like the lifestyle that Johnny Wilkinson chose to get himself there. That's the hard question. If you're like, Stu, enough with the sports metaphors already. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's have a look at another, another metaphor. How about John Mayer? John Mayer is a pretty famous guitarist, musician, singer, songwriter. You might've heard of him. Uh, he, he won a number of Grammys. John Mayer uh, plays a Martin acoustic guitar. He plays a bunch of guitars, but his main acoustic guitar is a Martin acoustic guitar. And so Martin and John Mayer, Martin's company, have collaborated to create the Martin John Mayer signature model. It's called a OM28JM, inspiring name, right? Uh, <laughs> it'll cost you about 5,000 US dollars, right? Which is a lot of money, especially in the, given the current exchange rate. But a lot of people will happily get their wallets out and shell out that kind of money. Why? Because it's so easy to think that if you have John Mayer's guitar and you know the chords to gravity, you just got to kind of pull it out and strum those dulcet tones and you'll sound like John Mayer. But is that the reality, we, we all know that it's not. You see, John Mayer sounds like John Mayer because John Mayer sat in a room with two things for a very long time. Those two things were John Mayer and a guitar. <laughs> okay, that was all. And you see, he mastered his craft. He developed his ear, he developed his technique, he developed his musical intuitions for years. He adopted a lifestyle, shall we say, that led to him being able to thrive in those in the spotlight moments. You know, when he gets out in front of a crowd of people, he's not going, uh, what does an A minor look like again? I can't quite remember what are the chords to that song? No, no, he's mastered all of that. That's taken care of. So that when he shows up, he's actually just doing what he's always been doing, you know? And again, it's the tip of the iceberg. We see him on stage, but we don't see the, the, the iceberg beneath the waterline, which is years and years and years of practice and mastering your craft. What's interesting about John Mayer is, you know, it's almost like because he's adopted that lifestyle, he has the opportunity to thrive in, those, in the spotlight moments. He's ready for them. See, it's human nature for us to focus on those in the spotlight moments because they're the obvious ones. They're the visible ones. But let's bring this back to Jesus for a second. You see, if we think about 
following Jesus as just a series of in the spotlight moments, right? There's in the spotlight moments where you need to love someone, you need to show, you know, show love, be generous maybe, don't punch that person. If that's how we think about following Jesus, it's going to be really hard if we don't have a lifestyle that promotes doing all of those things where we've developed the mindsets, the muscles, the skills, the attitude to do all of those things. You see, in fact, if we try and just show up in the moment when we're on the spot, it's going to be both exhausting and ineffective to try to do those things really consistently well. In fact, we'll probably hurt ourselves. You know, if you walk into gym for the first time in your life and you try and deadlift 200 kgs, one of two things is gonna happen. Either you're not gonna do it, or you're gonna hurt yourself, right? There's no option C in, in that. And so when Jesus says, come follow me, that only makes sense when you realize that he's calling you and I into a way of life, into a lifestyle that gets us ready and makes us fit for those in the spotlight moments where we're called to follow his command. I hope that makes sense. So with that in mind, would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 11? Uh, we'll be reading from verse 28 this morning. And if that was a lot to take in, uh, don't stress, we're pretty much halfway through uh, this morning. We're really just going to unpack this big idea that following Jesus is not just about keeping his commandments. It's about following in the way of Jesus and in his lifestyle as well. Let's read from verse 28. I'm going to read this super slowly because this verse is a little bit of a cliche. And sometimes we've got to hear it afresh to get what's, what's in it. Jesus is talking here. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of God to us this morning. I'm going to start by just talking about the fact, we'll get to the yoke in a second, but I want you to see the promise that's in this verse before we go any further. It's a good promise. The, the, the opening sentence says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are working hard, if you are busy, if you are worn out, if you're a little bit burnt out, if you're you know, pushing six or seven coffees a day just to get through the afternoon, come to me and I will give you rest. Wow, that is a good promise, right? Don't miss that. We live in Johannesburg, which is probably one of the busiest places in, in Africa. It's the economic center of Africa. It's inevitable that our lives are full and busy. And Jesus says, in the midst of that, come to me, those of you who are working hard, busy, and I will give you rest. Wow. And he talks about this yoke thing. Now, the yoke is a little bit tricky for us to understand because we're Joburgers, not farmers. We, <laughs> we're not exactly a first century agrarian uh, community here. A, a yoke is the harness 
that goes onto an oxen's shoulders, okay, that then connects it to a plow or a cart or something that it's going to pull. You know the voortrekkers when they were bringing the wagons uh, up over the Burevos curtain to uh, to Johannesburg. They had a yoke. Their oxen were yoked together. They had these harnesses and they were pulling the wagons. And it was hard work for the oxen, but it kind of it was a harness that enabled them to pull against it. Now, I want you to see something that's quite startling in this verse to begin with. A yoke implies carrying a burden. Okay, You don't put on a yoke if you're not going to be pulling something, generally pulling something that's quite heavy. Jesus is basically saying in this verse, come to me if you are weary and I will give you a harness. I will give you a yoke to pull some things. Now, that should startle you a little bit because if you'd asked me, Jesus should have come to us and said, come to me if you're weary and you're burned out and I will remove all your burdens. I will take off any yoke that you happen to be having. We'll, we'll, we'll take it off. We'll make a bonfire with it and we'll burn it together and we'll dance around it, right? That would have been great. <laughs> I kind of feel like Jesus should have said that, but that's not what he says. He says, come to me and I'm going to give you a yoke. Okay. And he says, my yoke will be light, or my, my yoke will be light and easy to shoulder. What's he getting at here? You see, you and I have got a burden to bear in life. And I think oftentimes we would like to escape that burden. But what Jesus is saying here is that actually I want to give you the equipment to be able to effectively bear that burden. Right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you just escape the burden. No, no, no. That would be nice. And I think if you think about the, the temptation and the allure of something like money, you can see how it fits in here because the allure of money is that you can escape the burden of life. If you have enough money, well then you can you, you it gives you access to whatever you want and whatever you need at any point in time. And you know what? Next time there's a pandemic, we'll just go and live on our island and kind of just wait for the whole thing to blow over. That would be so nice. It, it, it's alluring because it looks like it might give us the opportunity to escape the burden of life. But Jesus says, no, no, no. There is no escaping the burden of life, but I want to give you the equipment to bear the burden of life. And equipment makes a huge big difference. Equipment is really, really important. If you and I are going to dig a hole for a swimming pool in your backyard, we've got a couple of options in terms of equipment on one end of the equipment spectrum we can have a spoon to dig that hole okay that's going to be a lot of work we're probably going to get some blisters uh it's going to be a bit frustrating it's going to be very slow it's not going to work so well if we hit a big rock it's going to be rock versus spoon and who knows what's going to win that little duel that's one end of the equipment spectrum you know what's on the other end of the equipment spectrum it's one of those caterpillar mechanical digger things with the huge big, you know, pneumatic arm and like claw on the end. That thing's got air conditioning. It's got a stereo sound system built in, right? It, it, you still have to do the work. The hole's not just going to appear in front of you, but you can move about a cubic meter of earth with every single scoop. You see, the equipment is going to completely change your pool digging experience, <laughs> okay? And that's what Jesus is getting at today. He's saying, I want to give you the equipment. I want to give you the yoke. But it's going to change your experience of life. And if you are weary and you're burdened and you've been carrying 
a lot at the moment. I want to give you some new equipment for us to get through this together. The last bit of this is, is where Jesus says that yoke, if you take that equipment, if you, if you grab a hold of that equipment, that yoke will give rest to your soul. Let's take a moment to let those words sink in. Rest to your soul. That's not a spa day. Spa days are great. Okay, that's not a detox from those seven cups of coffee that we're pushing <laughs> to get through the afternoon. That's not that great feeling that you get from a fresh haircut. That's a, that's a good feeling, right? I like that feeling. But this is much deeper than that. He's saying rest for your souls. I think there are two parts to that. There's a, there's a peace and a quietness but at the same time, there's a fullness and a contentedness with that. You know, sometimes when you turn down the volume of all of life, it's actually quite uncomfortable because all of our internal anxieties kind of bubble up. As we're like, oh, put the radio back on or put Netflix back on. Why? Because I don't want to, I don't want to deal with those anxieties. Jesus is talking about a quietness and a peacefulness around us as well as a contentedness and a fullness within us. That's what rest for your souls means. And I think it's something that we need to recover in this day and age, especially. Here's the big question. What is the yoke of Jesus? He says, take on my yoke. And this is where everything comes together this morning. Okay. Because the yoke of Jesus is about taking on the lifestyle of Jesus, not just following his commands. See, if we just have to follow his commands, that's going to be like trying to deadlift 200 kgs for the first time in the gym. We're going to hurt ourselves. But if we take on the lifestyle of Jesus, suddenly the burden becomes a whole lot easier to bear. Dallas Willard calls this the secret of the easy yoke. I love this. He says, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life. Adopting his overall lifestyle, following in his steps cannot be equated with behaving as he did when he was on the spot. To live as Christ lived is to live as he did all his life. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully while living the rest of our lives just as everyone around us does. Wow. John Mark Homer summarizes all of that into this beautiful single sentence where he says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you've got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And so that's the journey that we're going to go on over the next few weeks. That's the yoke that's offered to you and I today, this week, for the rest of 2020, whatever comes after that. That's the burden that we can choose to bear. And this series is an invitation into living in the way that Jesus lived a little bit. We're going to look at so many things. We're going to look at how Jesus regularly sought solitude to pray to his father and what that did to his, to his heart and how that made him ready and able and capable when all those high pressure in the spotlight moments were happening. He, he had a reservoir to draw from because of the solitude that he'd, he'd sought in prayer with his father. We're going to look at how he submitted his whole life to his father's will. 
He lived under his father's will. He said, Jesus, or he said, Father God, if this is where you want me to go, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do that. If it's not this, I won't do that. He regularly sought his father's counsel on those things. He lived with simplicity. Wow, what can we learn from that? He embraced the different seasons of his life. He read the seasons really well. He knew what to focus on and how to prioritize things depending on what season he was in. He managed all the demands on his time. Jesus always had this like high pressure demands on his time. And yet he always had time. And he was never in a hurry. Wow. Jesus lived with a gratefulness that is just astounding. We see him feasting and partying and having brides with his mates by the Sea of Galilee. I think we can learn something about the gratefulness and the way that we live in community from him. So that's the journey that we're going to be going on. Those are some of the topics that we're going to look at. And the question that I want to end this morning with is just by asking, what, what can we do? How can we make our hearts ready for this journey? Two things I think we can do. Can I encourage you to read one of the Gospels this week? Have a look at the life of Jesus. The, the Gospel of Mark, the book of Mark, it's in the New Testament. It's 16 chapters, I was going to say long, but it's 16 chapters short. It, it's so fast-paced and easy to read. It reads like a Netflix miniseries, right? It's just, it's just great. And you can go through all of Jesus' life and all of these incredible moments. And you can look at the life of Jesus and go, wow, God, what can I learn from that? It's the first thing. Can I encourage you to, 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 to do that uh, in, in the coming weeks? The second thing would be pray and ask God that he would mentor you in the ways of Jesus over this next season. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your life looks like exactly at the moment. But I'm pretty certain that there's something in the way that Jesus lived his life that is applicable for you. And, and can I encourage you to pray and ask God to kind of mentor you and disciple you in those things? You know, Jesus talks about taking on uh, my yoke and walking with me. And it's like he's side by side, shouldering it with us. And, and the reason for that is he's like, he wants to take one step with us and then see like, how are we doing? And like, pull us along and go and go and go. And sometimes we think that we've got to get it all right before we bring, it to, to bring ourselves to Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I want to, I want to come in and yoke myself up next to you and show you the life that I live because Jesus did live on, on this earth like us and he walked through life as a human does. And so he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to bear the burdens of life with us. So that's the invitation for the next few weeks. I want to end by reading those, that, that same verse, but this time from the message translation, as it puts it. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. 
The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.